0: Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, Clearcast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates, and our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Hello and welcome. I am Jill Hamilton, editor at Clearance Jobs. Thanks for joining us today as we chat with Bradford Wilkie. He is Senior Advisor for Stakeholder Engagement at the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. We'll be talking with Bradford about his role at CISA and how the agency meets the U.S. present and future needs, all from his viewpoint. He'll also talk about the role of strong partnerships in cybersecurity. So, Bradford, I'm looking forward to this conversation.
1: Yeah, this is going to be great. I'm I'm super excited. and Thanks for having
0: me. Awesome. So can you talk to me about your role and the work you do at Sysa? Like, how did you get involved in stakeholder engagement?
1: Yeah, that, that, that's a great leading question, because I think when I started, we didn't, we didn't conceive of it as stakeholder engagement. Um, I think we did a lot of sort of policy and model building, and we thought of sort of the best idea held out for who the stakeholders were. But, you know, just very quickly, uh, how I got here you know, I was working as a contributor for some of the nation's first drafting of our National Infrastructure Protection Plan. Uh, this was the early 2000s. Um, I was on some of the first ever sector-specific risk assessments. We have vacillated between 18 now down to 16 uh, specific industry and business areas we call critical infrastructure. And I was also part of um, the, the response for major cyber incidents or what we, what we thought could be uh, contributed by uh, an adversary that was sophisticated enough. And so I don't think we ever conceived ourselves as a service organization or a partnership as a service organization, but we've really certainly evolved into thinking about customers and partners as stakeholders. And I think, you know, my my role now uh, as a senior advisor in two respects versus the one you introduced, which is this stakeholder engagement, uh, you know, advisor to to the agency. Uh, and then second, this emerging role that I'm doing on cyber physical convergence, I hope we get to talk about. Um, but I'm I'm helping to answer for the agency, you know, what are the right partner compositions that we need to execute the mission, to do the work. And while that sounds like um, you know, what industry is really tried and true at, which is customer analysis, it it really is. We have to know where the partners are at, um how they see us, do they do they see themselves as our partners? Um, so looking from the outside in, if you will, kind of that, uh, coolies looking glass. self, so, and, and I think what I'm constantly asking or raising on behalf of the director and, uh, the leadership here and the workforce is, you know, are the right partners there? Do, do they know there are our partners? Do they sit at the right table? How do we reach them? How do we collaborate and convene with them? Are they aware of national risk as we see them and lay them out? And I think all of this goes to this whole idea I talk about a lot about stakeholder intelligence, which is sort of the intelligent quotient we have here. Of Do we know? Do we know what the partner needs? Are we getting the feedback? Are we sitting at their table when we need to? Um, and I, I think that's that's where my role is now. And I think um, that applies, I think, to every program, every service we deliver. Certainly, there's uh, you want a great understanding, conception of who your customers and your audience and your partner is. But I think we also have to flip it and ask, do the partners get the mileage out of us that they expect, and do they know that they're the partners that um, we're expecting or that you know that that we need their help? So that's a little bit about my my current role. I think that's in the greater sense, it's how we view stakeholder engagement as this emerging value area.
0: Yeah, it's so important. You know we're such a connected world, so partnerships and engagement really are critical in cybersecurity. So that's so true. Um, so we are gonna talk about the physical security component as well. So, um, so you were tapped to lead that versus uh, their cybersecurity and physical security convergence. So can you talk to us about what that means and what you're hoping to achieve?
1: Yeah, I, I talk to so many people, and part of my work here is not to disrupt what the agency is already doing in cyber-physical systems. Um, you know, lending our expertise there, or to talk about cyber-physical convergence. But I think it's you know, there's a crawl, walk, run that I'm trying to strive for. And in a crawl sense, if you think about the way CISA is structured, we have you know, cybersecurity in the name, infrastructure security in the name, and they convey. That there are domain spaces for physical security and cybersecurity that have to be sort of independently thought of, and and I think that what I'm trying first thing I'm trying to do is sort of break the silos in CISA, you know, make sure that people don't view themselves as having discrete subject matter expertise that they can really look at risk management as the dimension that we're striving for, and not just uh, security practices in one one area, whether it's personnel, chemical, cyber, physical security, so. I think one of the biggest things I'm trying to initially do is is look at how we talk externally, how it's perceived, what our partners think is um, good cyber physical security practice. And, you know, I I think um, it's about ensuring that the workforce that we have, which is diverse and inclusive, you know, draws upon, um, you know, the, the greater set of skills that they have but that to the reader or the the partner that we have at the end of our service, that could be assessment, training, or reading some of our best practice guidance, they don't see us as kind of wooden, where we're saying cybersecurity is in this column, physical security is in this column. Um, it's about really integrating that into planning operations in and the way we would support them if if things did break or fail. And and I think just a little bit further, you know, I think why I've been tapped is you know I've got a uh, military background, whereas a law enforcement specialist, I have a um uh master degree in, in legal studies. I always joke about it. it, allows me to talk to my attorney wife, uh my spouse. But but I also think that you know I, I have a, a good healthy uh mindset for cybersecurity and rooted in, in IT systems, not just cybersecurity aspects of those systems. So I think when they were looking around for somebody who could pull together sort of the stakeholder dimensions, the value dimensions, and the domain dimensions. And then look at these sort of walk and run ideas that we have to have. How how does integrated security management play out? What can we learn from chief security officers out there and give them decision support? How can we look to the future and the blended environment? You know, if it's smart cities, um, more cyber physical systems, you could think of all the automation, the ICS uh, that we see at the heart of infrastructure today. It's about making sure that that um, that that convergence of cyber physical and then industrial chemical and personnel security and other domains are really integrated. And I think that's why I was tapped. And that's what we're trying to achieve is, you know, better advice um, about leading practices, about um, responsible uh, insight and decision making. and, And then, you know, giving again this what I mentioned up top about stakeholder engagement is being the nation's risk advisor means that we don't just Project and broadcast the risk as we see it. Um, we recognize that others have a very valid viewpoint and, and can validate, can provide additional dimension to, to the risk environment that we're talking about and tell us that, hey, no, no, you have the risk right, but we're doing well in that area. Or, no, no, you're missing, you're blind, you have a blind spot. We've got to work on this other piece together.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, definitely managing risk requires a, a lot of collaboration. So um, it makes sense to bring those, those, all those worlds together. So you talked about, about your background. Um, So then your background is stakeholder engagement. How will partnerships and working with the private sector play into these cyber physical convergence efforts?
1: Yeah, it's uh, in a word, it's fundamental. Um, You, you can't, you can't do it without having the partnership. And I, I know you said private sector, um, but I would extend that to, you know, the state, local, tribal, and territorial government, our international partners. Um, I think it's the it's the non-federal partners that we're trying to reach with all of this. And if you think about everybody from uh, school districts that have, you know, large facilities and are working about thinking about their integration of cyber and physical, if you're thinking about um, manufacturing systems across the United States, if you, and and I bring up these two examples because under you know COVID and the pandemic they've been under stress, under resourced, uh, thin supply supply chains and resources. Um, it, it means that we've got to hit those uh, really a diverse and and wide critical infrastructure um, partnership model. But I also think that in in doing that, when I say it's it's fundamental. Um, you know, unity of effort is great. Um, that's kind of what you know what we get when we uh, gather. We talk about best practices. We share a you know common view on threat or vulnerability. We get resolved, and we we say how we're going to plan and prevent and commonly respond if we need to. But unity of of messaging, um, and I think if you you know for for you know a quick second here, if you think of the disruption that happens today in the um, I reporter world and the world of social media, where you know opinions, um, whether they're you know I'm not going to say dis or misinformation. I think that's an area of focus for us. But I think the greater point is that um, without unity of messaging, you don't have unity of effort. And, and unity of messaging with partners is about having the same message, the same talking points, the same resolve, the same commitment expressed verbally and written in the same time scale and whether it's a you know hurricane or responding to a ransomware event or it's a compromise of control system in the water sector um, the unity of effort can all be there and it's somewhat behind the scenes it's what we practice this partnership model for and it's it's why we need to draw all this attention to cyber physical convergence because of this interaction of cyber issues, creating physical problems, physical problems, creating cyber issues, systems and security wide. But I also think that if we don't have messaging, which is what I think the American public sees, they they see joint resolve. If they see joint unity of messaging, they see common investment, they see commitment to goals, they see cultural aspects. And so our our agency is as much about trying to get the technical piece right as it is trying to get the partnership model to execute all this work. Right. Because it is a it is a divisional labor we cannot solve on high, um, you know, all of the nation's problems. And I used to joke um, when I w- would walk into lectures, I would I would say. You know, thank you, private sector, for investing um, in anti-ballistic missile systems on the top of your tall buildings. And I would get sort of an odd list look or maybe a chuckle. And I would say, well, yeah, I mean, you've you've been told that there's nation states capable of of rendering cyber attacks that will absolutely destroy your infrastructure. So thank you for doing that. And what they said was, no, no, this is this is about collective defense. It, you know, the the government's got a part to roll. International partners have a part. Uh, to play. And the private sector has a part to play as well. But you can't look at them in an isolated way.
0: Yeah, so true. I mean, I think this past year really highlighted just all the potential cybersecurity gaps. And you're right, like social media, just, you know, everybody has an opinion (laughs) or thoughts on what's happening, why it's happened, what needs to happen. And it can kind of crowd out the right message as well. So it is really important to have that unity. And, um, so people aren't confused. They can't, they see the themes that, that need to emerge, um, fr- from that message. So, yeah, Jill,
1: I, I think that's why we're, we're trying to be a competitive workforce, you know, which is diverse in technical skill as well as, um, diverse in thought and, you know, race, mm-hmm. gender, appearance, all of that. It's going to take all of America represented, you know in our workforce to be able to get out there and reach the underserved communities um, the, the ones that really need to take the practice in hand the ones that are maybe under resourced or underskilled so it, it takes it takes being able to look in the mirror and see yourselves in the and you know as your partners look at themselves but i also you know that's also the power of having partnership without having to have one-to-one everybody representing your workforce you know, partnerships extend our ability to act. They they become the ambassadors. They certainly are the ones who are defending, but they also know the next innovative idea. That is not the uh, domain space of government to have every best idea locked in. It's why we need this partnership and cooperation because they, they often bring us, um, you haven't thought about this and this is around the corner and here's an innovative way to approach it.
0: Yeah, no, that's key, especially with, you know, re- Think back just even this past year, and this is only just a few with the high-profile ransomware attacks. You know, think of Colonial Pipeline, JBS, um, Kasaya, You know, working with private sector is arguably, like you're saying, more important than ever. So, if you had one ask of your partners, what would that be for you?
1: Yeah, Jill, I'm probably going to frustrate you because I think I could think of two or three, <laughs> but I'll. But well, I'll, go I'll, ahead.
0: I'll, I'll, I'll stick to too.
1: a couple. <laughs> Um, You know, I would I would ask partners first this. Just don't let us get into broadcast mode where we say, here's what the risk is. Here's what the product's content is going to be. And and I, you know, without opening wounds, when we first started to tackle as an agency uh, 5G risk, we sounded sort of one dimensional and it sounded like hashtag bad China. It was what our message was and we never intended that. What we said was understand the foreign dependency within your supply chain, foreign suppliers and where you get your 5G services in the future and how much of the network you can control. And I think that's that's the whole first ask here is, is don't let us have our own confirmation bias work into the work. We need feedback, we need requirements, we need consultation before we put out products, we need to understand whether federal ease is is not going to jive with industry speak. Probably the second and just as important is that, you know we have to have more than just a pursuit of um, clear and articulate and timely threat and vulnerability information. We're really great as an agency of sending out, um, you know, what we see as, uh, you know, <laughs> keeping you up at night today. Um, Threatened vulnerability kind of work, and I think what I'd ask of partners is that they help us identify leading practices, best practices, high performers. You know, we've got to shift. You know, there's an adage that you, you will spend a lot more money in the life cycle of building something if you if you learn your requirements um, not in the requirements phase, but later in the implementation. That's that's so true in cyber and physical security, especially as we try to converge it. As we, we've got to have proactive, resilience planning built in. And I think that's about what's working, not what's failing. And we've got to have a good sense of best practices that are out there. Somebody knows um, and has had a near miss on ransomware. And we've got to get that information back out there as to what was the technical practice? What was the decision making? What was the internal communications that supported it? What was the partnership um, that was required to contain or or respond and, and uh, you know, resolve a problem pretty quickly. These are, these are best practices on the front end, not just on how we uh, visit threats through incidents or crises. And I think that's going all to the heart of JBS, Colonial, and Kaseya. Visibility um, into how industry was doing decision-making, the partnerships that they had in play, maybe why they were reluctant to call us for technical assistance, um, maybe why they weren't at the table with us beforehand on the threat uh, or vulnerability side. But but I think partners coming forward and telling us about their lessons learned is is equally important to the partners who tell us about the best practices that made them a near miss or made them more resilient. And and I think, you know, I, I said this before, you know, come work with us or, or come, you know, come work for us. Um, Either way, that's my third ask, which is just partner with us because you've got something to contribute, you've got skill, you've got insight, and we need that.
0: Yeah, well, it's great because it's it's breaking down the because the, sometimes it per, can be perceived like the federal world versus the private sector world, or even like the contractor world. Like, it's breaking down those divides. Like, we're all on the same. Um, we're all on the same team. <laughs> Nobody yep. wants ransomware to take off and and no one wants to be hit. It's not only just a PR battle, but the legal costs like all the ramifications are huge. So, we all want the same thing.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a shared overly used, but it's a shared attack surface. And and if we if we aren't working together, we're not going to have insights on that and how to shrink it. You know, what's whether it's the again the the greatest picture that we can hold together about the current threat and the vulnerability that's great but i think more important than that we have we have tried for you know a dozen years to establish information sharing and i think a lot of people are drawn to okay you'll be there when things break or when they're about to break and i would rather have us be there to prevent the breaking or the stress happening in the first place and that, that that certainly takes the, that, that's why CISA exists. You know, nation's risk advisor, nation's quarterback, I, Quarterback. I would say the nation's convener for infrastructure resilience and, and kind of leave it at that.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. Well, thank you so much for joining us today at ClearCast. For more security clearance news and defense information, please visit us at news.clearancejobs.com.